What's going on, squad? Welcome to A Vision Includes You. This podcast is where I help you step into your true power so that you can elevate all areas of your life without any regrets. My name is Kevin Vu, and I am an online fitness coach and mindset coach, and I'm on a mission to impact millions of lives across the globe. In my experience, I've helped over hundreds completely transform their lives by unlocking their full potential. It's now my goal to share that knowledge I've accumulated over the years into actionable steps to help you turn your vision into your reality. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of A Vision Includes You podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Vu. I am an online fitness and mindset coach. And today I'm back at it again with another very special guest. She's actually been a guest on one of my previous episodes and you may have remembered her. Her name is Olivia. Olivia, welcome aboard. How are you doing today? Hello, it's so nice to be back. <laughs> um, I'm doing really, really good. How are you doing? I am doing great. This is like the best day of my life just speaking with you because I know every single time I have you on the podcast, we're ready to like spill a ton of value and I'm sure the yeah. audience appreciates it as well. So Liv, you want to uh, tell the audience what we're talking about today? Yeah, so um, I think this is a really great topic. We're actually diving down into 10 different points, uh, break it down into two categories about nutrition and fitness myths. So it's going to be really exciting. We're going to be talking about what's constantly said on social media and just breaking them down. So I'm really excited to get into it. I love this because how many of you feel like every time you're trying to like find information online, you're always getting like two sides of the story. Like one person yeah. is like saying <laughs> carbs is bad. No, gar- carbs is actually good. No, you should do keto. No, you shouldn't do keto. Like it's like so yeah. many mixed signals. And in this podcast, it's just for all of you to um, really soak the information that's actually scientifically fact and it's factual so that you're no longer lost when it comes to like your health and fitness journey so let's get into it what do you want to start with fitness or nutrition um okay let's dive first into fitness i think it'd be good if we uh get that done first and then we'll dive into the nutrition aspect i love it so fitness myths first so all the beginners make sure that you have your pen and paper ready and get ready to learn all right i'll let you take it away what's point number one first fitness myth uh, weights make you bulky. That is the first myth. So my perspective on this, I have been resistance training for, I don't know how many years now, I think well over five years. I am short. I'm five feet. Um, I am not bulky at all. So, <laughs> uh, yes. Like I guess having the classic tone that a lot of women strive for where you see muscular definition, that's great. Um, but you will never get to the level of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I think a lot of women are scared of that. So yeah. hundred percent. Right. And I think a lot of times when people think weights make you bulky, they're looking at like the bodybuilders, like the bikini yeah. bodybuilders where, you know, they have a lot of muscle and they're probably like taking something like PEDs they're, performance. Yes, and they're a hundred percent taking drugs yeah. and stuff like that. And when they're like, Oh, I don't want to touch a dumbbell in my life because I'm going to gain like 50 pounds of muscle. That's not going to work like that. You actually need like proper programming that's and a ton of like drugs to actually get you to that point. And even then, then you might not even get there because a lot of it has to do with genetic. So don't be afraid of like just lifting weights or like joining a program because you're going to get bulky because I can assure you that's not going to happen. And I love this one analogy, um, Jordan Syatt, I'm sure you know of him. He actually made love this, yeah. yeah, he made this analogy is like, I don't want to lift weights because I don't want to be, be bulky is like saying, I don't want to drive my car because I'm scared of being a NASCAR driver. 
<laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like it doesn't yep. work like that. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. All right. What's number two? Number two. Biggest nutrition. Uh, so, oh, sorry. Fitness myth. Yep. Fitness. Yeah. Fasted cardio for results. Um, I hear this all the time that people dedicate uh, a time in the morning to come in and do their fasted cardio when realistically for the general population, it's not necessary at all, regardless of what uh, goals you have in mind, it's not necessary. A hundred percent. And I feel like fasted cardio always gets like this. Uh, it's like this magic pill or like this secret hack. Oh, if you just do your cardio on an empty stomach, you're going to burn more fat. When at the end of the day, it comes down to calories in calories out. Like if you're doing faster cardio, I'm not saying there's anything against it. Like do it if you want to, but don't do it with the notion that you think that you're going to get faster results because it doesn't work like that. If you, if you, uh, do faster cardio, yes, you're going to burn more fat in that moment, but you're going to burn less fat throughout the day. Whereas if you're doing your cardio fed, you might not burn as much fat while you're doing it fed, but you're going to be burning more fat throughout the day. So at the end of the day, energy balance is going to be the key uh, dictator and it's going to be very negligible whether or not you do fasted cardio. So I freaking love that. Number three, what would you say? Um, Yep. So workouts are only effective if dot, dot, dot. So this can go for many things. So um, workouts are only effective if you're sore the next day. Workouts are only effective if you're sweating excessively during your workout or workouts are only effective depending on the amount of calories burned. So this is something that as a personal trainer, I've heard so many times um, people will come up to me and say, I'm not sore the next day. So obviously I didn't do good or I'm super sore. I know I had a good workout, which I feel like being sore is a hit or a miss. Cause sometimes even I'm like, Oh, this is nice. Like I feel kind of sore, but it's honestly not a dictator of uh, how beneficial your workout was for you. Actually certain movements such as eccentrics, like, walking lunges, for example, are a really great example of a movement that would get you sore the next day, just because of the movement pattern, not necessarily because you, what you were doing in your workout that made it so effective. So I think that's one good example, but yeah. What about you, Kev? Yeah, a hundred percent. So I would say like, on top of that, a good indicator is like, how strong are you getting on those lifts? Like over time, like I wouldn't just necessarily base it off like, Oh, you're sweating more. That means you're having, you're having a good workout or you're, sore the next day or the calories burnt because let's be honest like oftentimes those calorie trackers are inaccurate as well like i don't yeah. even track my workouts on my watch when i work out like some people they do like it's nice and all but i'm basing my performance on like my results on like how strong i'm getting am i able to yeah. progressively overload and actually grow my strength so that i can build more muscle right like that's yeah. the key indicators that a lot of people are missing they're focusing on like oh i want to get super sore oh i want to sweat more like that's not the a proper indicator. So really shift your perspective when it comes to making the most amount of results. Uh, similar to what you said, other good indicators. So instead of you focusing on how sore you're the next day, um, how much you're sweating during your workout, because some people just don't, don't sweat that much. That's totally fine. Or the amount of calories burned. I would say it's really good to focus on how are your lifts? Um, how was your form? How did you feel while lifting these weights? Or how did you feel while doing whatever sort of movement that you're doing? Um, and how are your energy levels? Did you feel absolutely drained during your workout? Or did you feel actually like pumped to get into the next set and to keep on going? So there's so many other indicators you can look towards rather than just sweating or calories burned. Um, and I think a lot of people tend to forget about that. Ooh, I freaking love that so much. And I completely agree. So use these uh, pieces of advice, like really go into your next workout and think like, okay, where are other areas that I can make improvement rather 
just focusing on like sweating or like how sore I can get the next day. So going into number four, Liv, what would you say is the biggest fitness myth that you often hear? You missed number three, oh, I believe. Um, yeah, this would be actually number three because we skipped <laughs> um, spot reducing fat. Oh my God. Um, the amount of times I've heard people tell me I need to add more core into my workout programming because I need to get rid of my belly fat. It is so common to hear this. Um, and realistically, you can't spot reduce fat. If anyone's going to tell you, you know, do X amount of this movement pattern or eat this type of food to spot reduce your belly fat, like it does not work that way. I don't know who started that, but um, it's been in diet culture and wellness culture for so long and it just, it needs to stop. I see this all the time on TikTok as well. Like people are doing ridiculous like yeah. <laughs> exercises, trying to like yeah. spot reduce their belly fat and it does not work. So any waist trainers as well, this is also like another myth, like waist trainers do not work. Um, any like yeah. fat burning pills, detox, any, any of that doesn't really work, but we're going to get into that later on. Uh, but funny story, actually, I remember back in high school, I actually thought doing sit-ups would yep. get me abs right and that was like yeah. one of my biggest goals so every night before i go to bed i do like 200 sit-ups <laughs> yeah. consistently for like two months nothing changed yeah. and i'm like what the heck like <laughs> this doesn't work and I'm i like, would mm -hmm. yeah i totally get that um i remember all i used to do in high school was literally um like 20 squats a day for the squat challenge in order to get a bigger butt <laughs> and sit-ups i'm like i'm gonna be ripped <laughs> None of it works. It's just, it's so sad that that's something that's been so popularized in, uh, in the industry when it's really wrong. I love it. And just for you listening and you're probably asking like, okay, so how do I actually lose belly fat? How do I actually build a bigger butt? So uh, Liv, how about I let you break that down? Yeah, it always comes down to uh, your energy intake. Like calories in versus calories out is a true thing because at the end of the day depending on how much you're intaking versus how much you're burning that will either help you lose weight or gain weight right obviously you don't just want to think about it like i'm going to be eating um a ton of calories from processed foods you want to make sure that you're eating nutrient dense foods as well so that's another myth with calories in versus calories out but anyways when you're in a cal caloric deficit so you're burning more than you're intaking um, your body will start to lose weight, but your body will embody fat. Your body decides where it wants to lose the fat. So as much as a lot of people are like, I need it to go straight to my stomach and lose my uh, belly fat. I know with me years ago, like the first thing to go was my, my butt and my boobs, like straight up. Um, the stomach was the last thing to go. And it really depends on your body type. It depends on your genetics, but uh, your body decides for you. You can't choose it. Yeah. So that's an unfortunate reality, right? Like, and instead of like just chasing, you know, I want abs or whatever, find a happy medium because most of the time yeah. I can see from personal experience, like getting abs isn't worth it. Like you're going to have to have yeah. so much discipline and willpower and giving up a lot of things in your life just to maintain it. And if it's not realistic, if it's not in your genetic yeah. to do so, just find a happy balance, right? Like find a healthy body fat that you feel good at. Yes, you might not look the way like super shredded and like the way you want, but you still look good. You still look good. And yeah. most of the time, again, people are clothed, right? People are clothed. So yeah. it's not like you're walking around on the beach all day. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Find a realistic and healthy body fat that you feel comfortable at, that you actually feel good in and don't chase anything unrealistic. So yeah. That actually ties in. It ties into um, finding 
and, and I, I hear this all the time. A lot of people get caught up on a number on the scale, right? Like, let's say I have a friend and they're like, I need to get to 120 pounds on the scale, but we're completely two different uh, body types. We have completely different genetics. Obviously a weight that is sustainable and healthy for her and a body fat percentage that's sustainable and healthy for her is going to look different than a body fat percentage and a weight that's sustainable for me. And a lot of people get caught up in that one number. Um, but at the end of the day, just like what you said, you need to come back to what is realistic and what's healthy for you and your body type. What's a body fat percentage that's healthy for your body type. Um, and for a lot of people that will not be shredded abs. Yep. <laughs> so I think a lot of people also need to think about that. Like it's way more than just the physical appearance. That means you're healthy. It's also what's going on inside of your body and how your body's functioning. Yep. And mental health as well. That's a big thing. Yeah. I love yeah. it. So what would you say is like the fifth and final fitness myth that you hear often? Uh, you need to do excessive cardio in order to see results. Ooh, break that down for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I see it all the time in the gym, um, but a lot of people, they will get onto a fitness routine and then they will force themselves to continue to do like, let's say five days of cardio, um, which don't get me wrong. Cardio is very, very good for your heart health. It is really beneficial, but a lot of people downplay like how effective just being active daily is, you know, like walking around, moving. A lot of people forget about that. You can go into the gym, you could do a killer workout. Let's say it's like 60 minutes of resistance training, right? Or four to five minutes, who knows? And then you can go and do cardio for an additional 30 minutes. If you are sedentary the rest of your day, it didn't make that much of a difference. It's actually more beneficial to have a day where you train and throughout the day, you're still moving around. You're not just being a couch potato for the rest of the day. And a lot of people forget about that. So you don't need to force yourself to get into excessive cardio. You should find a form of cardio that you really enjoy to do because yes, it's beneficial for your heart health. Um, for me, I really like going on walks. I'm not saying I walk super, super slow. I walk at a good pace, um, but that's something I love to do. Um, eventually I want to get into sprinting because that would be really cool to get back into again. But you need to find a form of cardio that is fun to do for you and something that won't feel like a hassle to get into. At the end of the day, it always comes down to your daily active movement. Um, and I think a lot of people forget about that. Yeah, 100%. And I, I really love these points that you brought up too. Like you have to find something that works for you and you have to find something that you love and will actually do because that's going to make it more sustainable. And the more sustainable it is, yeah. the more consistent you are. The more consistent exactly. you are, the better results that you're actually going to make. So don't feel like you have to spend five hours on the freaking elliptical if you hate the freaking elliptical. Like, don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Don't spend like two hours on the Stairmaster if you hate the Stairmaster. Yeah. Like for me, yeah. my form of cardio that I actually enjoy is the inclined treadmill. Like, it, I do it yeah. for my health. So I do it. I love it. I love like multitasking, like messaging my clients when I'm on it. And it's yeah. like, it's a good way for me to like, get my heart pumping, get my heart rate up, all that stuff. Um, but I feel good. Like it, yeah. it releases those endorphins. Like I'm not doing it for like calories burnt or whatever. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. And it's like, it also mentally primes me before my workout a little bit. Cause I actually do yeah. before my workout and a little bit afterwards. Right. So yeah. all those things, like you have to find the reason why you're doing it. So really find yeah. the cardio that you enjoy. I love it. Even, um, even sports, right? Like, 
I know my dad, he was in hockey, even as an adult playing with his work for such a long time. Like that is a great form of cardio. And I think a lot of people think like cardio, okay, I need to think of elliptical. I need to think of step mill. I need to think of treadmill. Like I only these cardio machines, right? But there's so much more to cardio than just those machines. So just like what you said, you want something that's going to keep, that's going to keep you um, in the long haul, right? Like, so it's going to be sustainable, um, for the rest of your life, something that you're going to enjoy to do. So I think people should be focusing on that more so. Um, if you're someone that does enjoy the treadmill, if you are someone that does enjoy the step belt, that is great. But you don't need to force yourself to do any form of cardio that you don't like. There we go. And I, a very basic like form of cardio, again, just going on a simple walk. Like going on a hike. Yeah. Just, you know, walk your dog. Like, Or if you have uh, someone else that you're living with, like a friend catching up. Like you'll be yep. amazed by how much progress you can make by just incorporating like simple activities just like that into your daily routine. It's a difference yeah. maker. It's a difference maker. Yeah. Huge. So Huge. Liv, let's transition into Great. the five nutrition myths that you hear starting off with number one. What is it? Uh, intermittent fasting. Uh, and that, that is the one effective way to lose weight or see results. Um, there's so much more to intermittent fasting that I think a lot of people don't realize they look at it from an outside perspective. Um, so intermittent fasting, basically what it is, is that you have a set amount of time, a set amount of hours where you can eat throughout the day. And then you have a set amount of hours where you're not allowed to eat. Um, the only time I really see this effective with people is when they have a very spontaneous work schedule that it just works into their schedule. And they're like, this is my best time. Um, but for the general population, it's not necessary. And especially for women, um, for a woman to train fasted, it's actually not beneficial at all for their hormones. So there has been studies shown that do show that um, males have seen results with intermittent fasting, but it's not the be all end all. And um, I think that many people hear about intermittent fasting and they're like, okay, I have to get into it in order to see results. Um, but at the end of the day, if you are hungry during a time when you're not allowed to eat and you're not listening to your body's cues about being hungry um, and you're trying your best to fight it off, I don't see that as healthy. Um, and a lot of people tend to forget about it because they're like, oh, I'm being so determined and so diligent on staying on top of my weight loss routine. But I don't think if you're hungry, you should be allowing yourself to eat, right? It's like if you have to go to the washroom, you have to go to the washroom, you're going to do it. So if you're hungry, eat. And um, many people will just, they, they complicate it so much. I completely agree with this as well. Like I remember I used to intermittent fast because I remember one time I was like kind of like on my own weight loss journey and a guy told me about intermittent fasting um, in the gym. That was the first time I've ever heard about it. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm making so much re results um, on intermittent fasting. So that's, I just want to side tangent that and say like, okay, just because someone told you that something's worked for them doesn't mean you should also do that same thing do your own research yeah. and see what you're getting in yourself into but anyways back to yeah. the story so i yeah. looked into it i was like oh yeah what is this so i maybe i tried it and at the time again uh just to give a little bit more context for those of you who don't know what intermittent fasting is you're pretty much breaking down your day so um into eating windows so for example you have 24 hours in the day let's say you spend 16 hours of that day consuming no calories whatsoever you can only have like water i think green tea maybe like black coffee, yeah. whatever. Right. Um, yeah. and eight hours of that whole day, that is your window, uh, eating window. That's when you can actually eat your calories. So I remember my fasting window was like, uh, maybe I think it was 8 PM till 2 PM or something like that, 
or sorry, till 10 p.m. So my eating window was like, what, 2 to 10. And I remember waiting till 2 p.m. on the dot to eat my first yeah. meal. Like, I'm freaking starving yeah. out. Like, holy shit, yeah. watching the clock, trying to like yeah. wait, count down. I'm like, oh my goodness, my meal's already prepared right in front of me. And it's like, that's insanity. My mom thought I was like yeah, crazy or something, right? So and unhealthy. It, it's so unhealthy. Like, you do not need an intermittent fast. And the whole idea of like, oh yeah, intermittent fasting is magic. It's really not. Because at the end of the day, if you're skipping breakfast, let's say your, your goal is to like lose weight or whatever. If you're skipping breakfast and your breakfast is usually around like 500, 600 calories, you're in a calorie deficit because you no longer have that breakfast. It all comes down again. We've talked yeah. about this so many times, energy balance, calories in, calories out. So yeah. don't think that intermittent fasting is magic because at the end of the day, it's just another fancy way to create a calorie deficit. That's all it is. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. Into that live. What is the second biggest nutrition myth that you, that you hear? Um, okay. So either no carbs or no eating past a certain time. Um, so let's say it's like eight o'clock. It's like, I cannot eat any carbs past this time, or I can't eat late at night because I'm storing excess fat. Uh, that is a huge, <laughs> um, and it always, it, it always makes me laugh every time, um, I've spoken to a client and they're like, I know I'm, I'm eating at night and that's why I'm storing more fat. And I'm like, no, that's not the reason why. Um, and honestly, just like what, what Kev said, it always comes down to your energy balance at the end of the day. The reason why eating late at night gets bad rap is because most of our cravings are heightened at night. And especially if you're someone that hasn't been eating consistently throughout the day, you're going to be so hungry at night that you're going to grab whatever is convenient to you. So that's why a lot of people think of it as, you know, a lot of the ultra processed foods are what's readily available. I'm going to go and eat that. And because you're so hungry throughout the day, that's what's going to make you overeat. But it's not necessarily because of the time. And a lot of people get so thrown up on that, that it's so late at night. And that's why I'm gaining weight. Like your metabolism does not shut off. <laughs> I don't know why this is still a thing. But the only trouble with eating late at night, honestly, when it's close to your bedtime is that you may have an uncomfortable sleep being on a full stomach. Yep. But aside from that, there's no reason why you're going to be like storing excess fat because of that, or because your metabolism is going to shut off that that's complete BS. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if you want a cookie and let's say you have like that notion, like, Oh my goodness, carbs after like 8 PM is bad for you. I'm going to store excess fat. Let's say the cookie is like a hundred calories at 7:59, It is a hundred calories. At 801, it doesn't magically become 2,000 calories. Like it's still, yeah. 100, <laughs> it's still 100 calories, right? So yeah. if you want the cookie, you can have it. And another thing that yeah. you mentioned, like uh, I believe a lot of people, not just the cravings um, late at night, it's also like if you eat closer to your bedtime, yes, you might have uncomfortable sleep, but what happens when you weigh yourself the next day? You might be up like a few pounds. That's because, again, you're eating close to your bedtime and all that food is probably still digesting, sitting in your stomach. And that's why you're up a few pounds. It's not because you gain like three pounds of fat. Like, yep, it, it's yep. not possible. It's still like the food sitting in there is a bunch of like water and glycogen, like all that. So don't think just because you're eating closer uh, to your bedtime that you're going to gain a bun bunch of fat because that's complete BS. Exactly. Yeah. That. And especially with females, depending on their menstrual cycle, PMS, so premenstrual symptoms, they usually happen about like a week to a few days before your period. You tend to be more bloated, even on your period, you tend to be more bloated. You tend to be basically retaining more water. So 
it is really normal to have different measurements or uh, different metrics when you are on your period. So just so women understand that it's completely normal. I love it so much. Yeah. So moving into the next nutrition myth, what would you say that is? So next one would be simple carbs are bad for you. So things such as white potatoes, white rice, uh, white bread. Um, I hear this all the time. Like I need to be cutting this out. And this also, we're going to discuss this. It branches into clean eating. Um, But a lot of people think, you know, I have to be cutting out all of these types of carbs that are fast digesting. So basically simple carbs, there's uh, complex carbs, and then there's simple carbs. And complex, they take longer for your body to digest them. This would be like whole grains, um, sprouted grains. Um, These are like oats. These are all beneficial to have um, more often just because it won't spike your blood, uh, your blood sugar levels. Simple carbs, they are actually really beneficial to have after a workout. I think a lot of people forget about that. There shouldn't be such a bad rap on simple carbs because at the end of the day, food is food. And uh, like obviously high sugar foods, that should be something that we are eating in moderation, right? Like having that balance, which always comes back to why we need to get rid of just the terminology of clean eating. But a lot of people put a bad rap on like potatoes and rice and like, and it still like boggles me why people cut that out just because somebody told them it's bad. So hundred percent. And I want to get into this concept again, as we mentioned, right? Like clean eating versus unclean eating. I think that the biggest thing that kind of like makes me like, okay, what the heck does that even mean? Is like, there's no clear definition for that. Like, what does clean eating even mean? Like if I ask one person, they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's just eating like nutrient dense foods. The other person is like, well, clean eating is like eating brown rice. Uh, so I'm like, yeah. okay, so is white rice clean? No. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it varies. <laughs> it varies from it varies. people. And if you actually look at the nutrition facts between like brown rice and white rice, it's so negligible that it doesn't really make a difference. So it's like, okay, why is this being demonized? Why is this one being glorified? Like it makes no sense to me. So food is food. As long as you're understanding like what's going on into your body, you're getting the proper nutrients, you're feeling good, you're feeling your body. That's what matters at the end of the day. Like in my perspective, it's like you shouldn't put labels on foods. You shouldn't say, okay, this is clean. This is unclean. This is good. This is bad. All foods can be included on a nutritious, well-rounded diet. It can. And that's the whole message we need to promote more is that you do not need to cuddle anything if you want to be healthy. Everything, if you want your favorite treats, if you want your favorite snacks, pizza, burgers, french fries, anything you name, you can have it. You do not need to cut it out. So I freaking love that you brought this up. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, um, I was just going to say, so a lot of people, when they hop on the clean eating trend, um two things so they usually start to eat foods that they're they're forcing themselves to eat because they hate it right like everybody has a certain amount of vegetables and fruits that they just like do not like to eat um like i know for me there's a lot that i don't like to eat um but the reason why i still eat vegetables um and fruits on a daily basis is because i eat the ones that i want to eat right so a lot of people when they adopt the cleaning diet they're like okay all of a sudden I need to cut out like all these foods that I love so much. And I just need to focus on eating like all of these very, very nutritious foods, even though I don't like them. Right. And it shouldn't be like that. Um, and it then it ties into the more that you restrict and you don't allow yourself to eat something that you really, really want. Um, your mind is really smart and it knows uh, how to eventually crack and to have you have it. And that's when 
people feel like they're going to lose control once they start eating these maybe like more processed foods because they haven't had it in so long. So finally, when their brain, um, when they have it, their brain is like, oh my God, I need to have like all of it. Right. And usually that's a signal for a lot of people. If they feel like they're thinking about food all the time, or they feel like they're going to lose control if they start to eat like a cookie or something like that, usually that's a signal that you've been restricting in one way or another. So yeah, that's what I want to add to that. Yeah. We're definitely going to get into that. This is where a lot of eating disorders actually stem in as well is from constant years of like restricting following diet culture following like food labels like it's so wrong and we're going to get into that but uh moving into number four what would you say is the biggest nutrition myth that you often hear um that you need to start a fad diet in order to see progress Ooh, so what's a fad diet what's a fad diet yeah explain that to the audience I would say anything that's recommended in the wellness and diet culture industry, but it's basically a form of a diet where you're restricting in one way or another, whether it's a juice cleanse, whether it's keto, whether it's like intermittent fasting would still fall under this window, any sort of way that you're manipulating your food intake in order to see some sort of results in your body. um, That's what I would consider a fad diet. And normally it's, you're cutting off some sort of a food group or you're putting rules around um, when you can and can't eat. So that's how I see a fad diet. And it, this, it's still so common. And uh, the diet culture and wellness culture industry, like I can't, I can't tell you how much money is being made just off of these fad diets. And it always comes back to like literally what we were talking about. The reason why these fad diets don't work and the reason why they work in the beginning is because you're cutting off so many foods and they don't work because it's not sustainable for the long haul. So a lot of people are always looking at like the short term and they're not looking at like, okay, will this be maintainable for the rest of my life? A lot of people forget about that. So they see the short term, they lose X amount of weight, they lose X amount of body fat. But then what happens after? Like, do these people still see themselves being able to live their life, go to family events, hang out with family or friends and having to cut off X amount of foods and live that way for the rest of their life? A lot of people don't. That sounds so, miserable, Yeah. right? Yeah, it's really, really miserable. And I want to say this too, right? Like a lot of people, again, I agree. They don't think about the long term. So every time you go on a fat diet, you might lose like, let's say 20 to 30 pounds or whatever, give or take. And then what happens when you get off, right? Yeah. Most people, when they get off a fad diet, they actually regain that weight plus some. So would you rather lose that weight in a healthy, sustainable way and keep it off for the rest of your life or lose 20 to 30 pounds in within a couple months, but then you're going to put it back on like in the exact same time frame, if not faster, once you get off that. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind whenever you're trying to pursue any type of fitness goal. See, okay, what's the approach that makes sense for the rest of my life am i able to do this for the rest of my life if the answer is no then find keep doing your research keep looking out for help and find until you actually reach that solution so i love that so much so let's get into number five what is your biggest nutrition myth that you often see um i think a lot of people think that eating disorders are only prevalent amongst women when really eating disorders can be prevalent in any gender no matter what you define yourself as, they're prevalent among everyone. And I think it's because the media often portrays someone with an eating disorder to be like a very, very small, lean girl. When really, I've, I, have ha- I have friends who have experienced eating disorders who are male. 
So I think this is something that um, many people forget about. So usually guys are very, what I've noticed in the gym, they're more abrupt when it comes to certain things. Let's say somebody is, you know, small, smaller size in the gym. They don't have as much muscle. I've heard so many guys, I remember when I used to work out at Good Life, so many guys say to their friends, like, bro, you're looking so small. Like, what the heck? And they don't really understand the impacts of the words of what they're saying. And I've had friends who have experienced bigorexia, which is basically when you look in the mirror and you still don't feel like you're like large enough, large enough in size. And yeah, I think it's just, it's forgotten about that. It can really happen amongst anyone. And also with a lot of eating disorders and people who suffer through them, like a lot of people don't know until they actually speak about it. Right. So that's when it comes to the point where more people have to be more cautious about what they're saying, um, regardless of just the gender, you know? Yep. I love this so much. And again, when it comes to like eating disorders, like body dysmorphia, like the fitness industry, don't get me wrong. They have so many topics that are not often talked about enough. So if you feel like you're going through something similar of what we've talked about, don't be afraid to ask for help, reach out for help, because that's the biggest thing I always want to put out there. It's like, you can find that professional help, someone who's willing to help you through this. And until you open it up about it, you're never going to know. And you never have to be the one who's kind of like dealing with this on your own. Cause there's millions yeah. of people in the world right now who um, might have the same issues that we're talking about, but because they're not actually reaching out, they don't know. And it's yeah. only going to be more problematic the more you keep to yourself. So exactly. I love yeah. this. So Liv, we're going to wrap it up here. Do you want to do a quick yeah. recap of everything we've spoke about? All the myths. Okay. Um, okay. Just so do one to, 10, one to 10. One to 10. First, we went through basically all of the fitness myths that came up in our minds the easiest. Okay. So like weights make you bulky. That's a myth. Fasted cardio being something that you need to do. That's a myth. Spot reducing fat. That's a myth. Workouts only being effective if you're sore the next day, sweating excessively or having X amount of calories burned. That's another myth. And that you need to do excessive cardio in order to see results. That is another myth. Now, when we talked about nutrition, we went over intermittent fasting and how that's a myth in it being the only effective way to see results. No carbs at night or eating past X amount of time. That's another myth. The myth that simple carbs are bad for you and that clean eating is a way to go. And basically we discussed why that won't make progress in the long haul. That you need to hop on a fad diet to see progress. That also gets back into the point that it's not sustainable for the long haul. And lastly, that eating disorders are only prevalent in women. It's it's actually prevalent amongst every gender. Eating disorders do not just choose women. I love it. So again, if you missed any of that, you can always feel free to... Uh, re-listen to this uh, podcast because we dropped so much value in this. And at the end of the day, these myths are only there. We're putting out there because we want you to learn from our mistakes. We want you to know better so that you're not scrambling around trying to find like the most factual information. So Liv, I appreciate you so much for tuning in onto this podcast. Where can they find you? Uh, yes, you can find me on Instagram um, at lifted with Liv underscore. So L-I-F-T-E-D. Uh, W-I-T-H um, and then live. So L-I-V underscore. Um, I'm there on Instagram and you can shoot me up a DM and I'll be happy to answer. I love it. And Liv also has so much like free resources and she has a lot of like great content. So definitely go give her a follow. Tell her that, uh, <laughs> tell her that I sent you. Uh, but yeah, until <laughs> next time, we'll catch you all later. Signing off. Peace.
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Vision Includes You. If you got value from today's episode, I would love for you to screenshot any episode, post it to your story, and tag me at Vision Fitness so that I know you're tuning in. I truly appreciate the support, and as always, I hope you have the best day ever, and I'll catch you on the next episode.